What is up, you guys? We are back with episode 26 of the Lombard Trucking Podcast. Quick announcement before I get started. On my next episode, I will be having a very special guest, my first ever guest on the podcast, a personal friend of mine who works in the oil and gas industry, and they are going to come on, and we're going to go into some inside baseball regarding some shit going on in the oil and gas industry. So make sure you have your notifications turned on. Like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. And hey, share with a friend. Let them know. Hey, my buddy Lombard, he's going to have someone on for some real talk regarding some shit in the oil and gas industry. This ain't some multi-million dollar back podcast. I don't got a production company behind me telling me what to say. I got no reason to lie to you guys, and I have no reason to bring on somebody who's also going to lie to you. But without further ado, let's get back to where I'm at over the road. Last I left you off. I had told you that I brought a load back from Michigan to Texas and that I had some planned routes throughout the week for some local runs. No snags there. Everything has been going very good recently. Like I said, cannot complain until we ended up getting back over the road. So I ended up getting back to Connecticut for a wedding that weekend that I was a groomsman in. And hey, I'll be perfectly honest with you guys. I had to make sacrifices this summer. There was an unprecedented This was an unprecedented time in the trucking industry with rates bottoming out, fuel spiking up. The summer of 2022 was not the summer of love in the trucking industry. And although we went into this business with all the right intentions and a lot of I's dotted and T's crossed, it took a lot of sacrifice from my own wallet and not doing things that I normally do, which is very common with anybody who's starting a business. I'm not saying that I'm special by any means, but I had to approach things differently in life in a modest way. And so being able to make this wedding was something that up until, you know, just a couple of weeks before, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it financially, to be perfectly honest. But I got really lucky with the fuel card we got from Convoy, which is a TCS card. Fuel started to come down. I got a few big breaks on loads and I was fortunate enough to be able to make this wedding. If I was not a groomsman in it, I don't know if I would have made the sacrifice to be there, if I'm being personally honest. Uh, But that's this is the nature of getting into business for yourself. So if you're somebody, whatever you want to do, even if you're not going to be an over-the-road truck driver, say you're going to operate a storefront or you're going to open an ice cream shop, guess what? That's going to require your time outside of even when you want to have work hours. You know, you're going to have to have time to go over your finances. You're going to have to go meet with customers, meet with vendors and do a lot of different things. And so if somebody's somebody's wedding may be able to be getting in the way of that. And so that's the issue with getting into business for yourself and starting a business. But that's just from my own personal experience. That's what it takes when you want to do it. And hey, you might lose friends along the way, but what's most important is you're doing it for yourself and what, and what's, what makes even, what makes it even more worth it is the friends you'll end up keeping along the way. But I was able to make it to the wedding. It was great. I got to see a lot of friends from college and I actually got a lot of good feedback from some of these people I haven't seen in years, uh, over five years. And to have them say things about my Instagram and to have them mention what they like seeing it, it meant a lot. Uh, it really tugs at my heart. Um, there's a couple who was there. Uh, they've been dating for a couple of years and they expressed to me that they enjoy even like the slightest details. A gentleman was telling me about how he remembers me talking about sliding the tandems back of the trailer and how he had no idea that you can adjust the weight distribution of 
a truck and trailer while it's over the road. And he's like, man, I thought that was cool, you know, because I see way stations all the time. And and here, you know, I have no idea about anything or why trucks even get weighed or anything like that. And I thought it was cool. So it was, it was really good to go there and, you know, kind of be told, hey, we're watching you, man. Because like I said, I don't I don't really see who sees me. I'm not paying attention to that stuff. I'm just pumping out the content, you know, throwing it out there, hoping it sticks, just documenting it. Sometimes for me to even go back and re-listen to or re-look at. Anyway, so wedding was great, but then Sunday came and a little bit of that pre-work anxiety set in, which people call the Sunday scaries. However, it hits a little bit differently as an owner-operator. It has nothing to do with being anxious about going to work. It's about finding the work. So I knew where I was going Monday, where I was picking up and delivering to. I was picking up some self-checkouts from a Walmart right in Austin, and that was going back up to Gravit, Arkansas. But what was I doing after? Because I needed to get myself back to Austin at least by Friday morning for next week, this, which is right now at time of recording, Thursday, I'm back in Austin. I made it. So it's what I needed to do next. Now, I'll genuinely start looking for loads up to seven days out. Anything beyond that, it's hard because sometimes these loads don't appear until the day of, like how I got out of Montana when I came back from the Missoula Marathon. The load I found populated within five minutes. And that could be how it is sometimes. So running up the spot market comes with that type of anxiety. But as I was in the car ride home from the Austin airport, I was scouring the Truck Smarter app. Shout out to my friends over at Truck Smarter. If you are an owner operator, it is a free load board that you can use. Reach out to me for the invite code. Anywho, I know I'm not paid for that advertisement. I just greatly respect those guys. More on that in a minute. So I got on Truck Smarter, found a couple loads that I wanted for that week from CH Robinson, but the broker that we deal with at CH Robinson he doesn't get to work until Sunday, but I preemptively did it. I'm not going to wait until he gets into work. I had the email already sent up and sent him my offers for the two load numbers and no shit at 7 a.m. I got replies to him confirming he took my offers and my week was set out. Anxiety gone. I had an, and it was an easy week I had in front of me. So I brought those self checkouts from Austin up to Gravit, Arkansas. So I got up to my old Honey, honey, honey hole, as uh, my buddy Jenkins calls them, up in Siloam Springs, Oklahoma, West Siloam Springs, Oklahoma, right on the Arkansas border. Deliver that trailer to Gravit on Tuesday morning. Get an empty trailer. From there, I don't need to pick up in Springfield, Missouri, until 2 p.m. So I ended up hanging out there, and I had the mechanic up there show me the uh, – grease spots to where I can grease the parts of my own truck. So that way I don't have to pay somebody to do it. And he showed me all, there are these little nipples in different parts. Uh, when you lift the hood or the engine block of like the leaf springs and by the steering column where you just hook up a little thing and you can pump grease into them and it keeps the engine grease. And it's something you do as a form of preventative maintenance. And then you know, he showed me some other things to do that they'll do during what's predominantly called an A service. And so now I go to Harbor Freight, get a few tools. I'll start doing that on my own, save myself. People normally do them between every 10 and 15,000. But now that I, I'll have the equipment, can do it whenever I want. This is just information that I've been learning along the way from other owner operators and how you should take care of your equipment. So I had him show me that plenty of time. I go up to Springfield, got loaded, actually got loaded early. 
wasn't there that long. That load was going to Monticello, Arkansas. It was a bunch of Pepsi products. It was actually Starbucks stuff because I've been to this warehouse before. I posted a few videos on YouTube of it and recently on TikTok and Instagram. I go into these caves in Springfield. I go underground and it's this warehouse for Busca Logistics and they have stuff that Pepsi wants. I, I don't know. The stuff comes from them, from some, from whoever makes the beverages and it goes to them and then I go and get it and I bring it down to a Pepsi distribution center down in Monticello, Arkansas, which is right in Southern Arkansas, South of Little Rock, closer to the Louisiana border, like smack in the middle. Got there, easy unload, one dock, small warehouses. Those are the best places to go. Whenever you go to the big guys, the Walmarts, the Dollar Generals, you know, the fucking Kroger DCs with a hundred doors, they're the pains in the asses to get unloaded at. I go to the Pepsi place, as soon as I park, forklift operator comes over, oh, hey, boom, takes my paperwork. Yeah, back right up, gotcha, in and out. 45 minutes, done deal. Less is more. This is what I've been learning uh, in my time trucking. So I got out of there. My next load was picking up is another one I've taken that I've mentioned on this podcast before. Picks up in Simsboro, Louisiana, and goes right back to the town I live in, five miles from my house, from Ardall Glass, going back to that deep eddy vodka. Done deal. I'm pumped. So I get unloaded early. I could actually make it to my next pickup by 11.30 on Wednesday. Technically, the rate con said I didn't need to pick it up until 8 a.m. Thursday. But I was like, you know what? Let me try and get this early so maybe I can get home a little earlier. You know, it's not like I can do anything else in between. So I get there early. I don't even ask to be loaded, right? And this is one of these, and I love this place. You will, you roll right into the entrance. You get to a stop sign, and it says, turn your CB to channel one to check in. And if you don't have a CB, you got to get your ass out, take all your shit, go inside, check in. So it's a lazy way to put, to uh, check in. I love it. Get the CB1, you get right on there. Hey, checking in. They ask you the, your carrier, trailer number, pickup number, and boom, she gave me a door right off the rip. Easy money. Get right back into a door. I hung out there for a little bit, got loaded. Uh-oh. I looked down at my dash. So you have two fuel gauges on the dashboard of these trucks, one for your fuel, your diesel, and then one for your diesel exhaust fluid, the DEF, which is for your DPF after treatment system. And I noticed that it was empty when this morning it was three quarters full. And now when that happens, it means the sensor is about to go bad. And I was like, oh shit. And then it, within a matter of minutes, the there's a little red light that will come on and it came on and then the check engine and service light jump on and it gives me the scr fault i don't know what scr stands for i have to look it up but it has to do with the after treatment system scr fault you know seek repair seek service but the truck is still idling at this point and it sounds fine but i know and this is from being in a peterbilt with pam that the longer you drive with this stuff on eventually it's going to uh, derate on you and shut you down. And I'll mention what that is in a minute. So I get loaded. I call the 1-800 Peterbilt number, tell them what's going on. They're just like, hey, yeah, find a dealer as soon as you can. If if you get derated, call us. We'll send out a tow truck. So I was fighting to hopefully avoid that because getting a semi-towed is not the same as getting a car towed. I can tell you that. So 
I make my way west on 20 towards Shreveport. There is a Peterbilt dealership in Bossier City. So I'm making it there. I got 60 miles between where I got loaded and that dealership. And, you know, by the grace of God, I made it there. No problem. The truck never lost power. The def light did start to blink, which means that within a matter of a few hours, it would have derated. I mean, that would derate. I, I hate it. It's stupid. And it's and the only reason it exists is because the fucking government wants you to do this. So newer trucks had to be equipped with these diesel exhaust systems because it cleans the emissions and it's better for the environment. Okay, I get that. I fucking love the planet too. However, if anything faulty or wrong or something goes wrong with these DPF systems, the truck will forcibly shut itself down. That's what it means by derate. It'll start taking away your torque until it eventually slows you down and you can't take the truck faster than five miles an hour. It makes absolutely no sense because without the DPF system, the truck can still run perfectly fine. It just doesn't get diesel exhaust fluid sprayed into the engine to clean the emissions. There are people out there, and if I didn't have a payment on this truck, where in where or a warranty i would do this myself but you can delete the dpf system you can pay a mechanic anywhere from a thousand to twenty five hundred bucks depending on how good you know them and they'll plug it up into their software and they'll go into the computer of the truck and delete it so that way it doesn't use it and people get away with it because all you need to do is just keep your def tank full there's no way for dot to find this out now DOT, I know you're probably listening to my podcast so you can get some inside baseball, but these guys already know people are doing this. You know, all you need to do to really not get in trouble is stay out of California. But okay, so that's a little bit of stuff that, you know, maybe you guys don't know about there listening. So anyways, I get to the dealership. I got a fully loaded trailer. I get there around 2.30. And so this is what's tough with my truck. I My engine is a Packard MX-13. It's definitely the best engine Packard makes. It's a workhorse. If you don't abuse it, you'll get over a million miles on this thing. This is from what I'm hearing. But when it comes to the DEF and DPF systems, you know, it's it's hit or miss. It's win or lose sometimes with some of these parts. But also at the same time, it's not as user-friendly as something like a Cummins, where I could have possibly fixed this myself. Or there's just more people equipped to be able to plug up into the computer of it. The dealership only had two techs that could plug up into it. One guy called out. One guy was busy. But long story short, I dropped from the, I unhooked from the trailer, went straight to a motel, ended up talking to the guy. By the time they closed, he said they plugged it up, told me it was a QLF, QLS sensor that had to do with the depth DPF system. They had it in stock. No worries. I'd be out of here by 11 a.m. Thursday. So it, this is the first time ever that this has ever happened because I had a few truck issues with Pam that was taking too long. And I haven't had any, tr I never had any truck issues when I was in the Volvo with R and R, but this is the first time I've noticed. And at least the first time of anybody I know who's ever gotten a repair mid load. Now I'm not saying I'm the only one, but I was goddamn fucking lucky that this was able to get done. And it was really a relatively easy fix. The only negative part is the fact that I do have a warranty on this truck. And like I mentioned a few episodes ago, I got my oil pan replaced via this warranty and it saved me, you know, 1500 bucks. Awesome. This sensor is covered under the warranty I have, but guess what? Going through this fucking warranty company is a goddamn is bullshit. It's just like an insurance company because I would have had to wait 
until they got the diagnostic, which happened at the end of day on Wednesday. The warranty company doesn't have, they have people in the call center until 8 p.m., but nobody was going to take the claim until the next day. So I would have had to file the claim the next day. It would have taken anywhere from four to six hours for the claim to have gotten to somebody. Then they would have to do a quote investigation, approve the repairs, and it wouldn't have been fixed until Friday. I need to get this load delivered and I need to get back home because I got shit going on this weekend. So, hey, we in our cost per mile and what we make cent per mile, budget it, budget for maintenance. So we just pay for it up front. Sucks. You got to eat it. 1600 bucks. Most of it's fucking labor. But what can you do? This is that's the cost of being in business for yourself. You know, what sucks is this warranty company, because I asked them about this. They won't allow you. They won't they don't allow reimbursement. You know, it's it. That's the thing with the trucking industry. You know, they think that uh, trucks are just big money-making machines and not realizing that there's a cost associated to them. You know, people look at truck drivers and they go on YouTube and they say, oh, these guys must be rolling in dough. Oh, I saw this guy who's got 10 trucks. He's a fucking millionaire. Yeah. You know, that's just what you, that's just what you're seeing on the internet. That's what the internet allows you to see. I don't got no, re no reason to fucking bullshit you. I'm not going to lie to you like some of these other clickbait clowns do on YouTube and stuff. Oh yeah, I made five million six months. It's like, all right, dude, good for you. How'd you, where'd you come, you know, where did some of that money also come from? What, you know, what'd you have in the back end? What friends did you have going into this? But that's another story. I'm just, I'm just venting here. So, I mean, everything that's around trucking is everybody just wants to pull from your pocket. The fucking oil and gas industry wants to fucking jack up diesel prices. The warranty companies want to uh, be a stickler and be like, oh, we can't do reimbursements because of too much fraud, too much fraud. So a proper receipt from a credited dealership that's actually on your preferred shop list is some is too hard for you to determine if it's fraud. Sounds like you got shit wrong with your company. So, and then the dealerships alone, they're making a way fucking they're uh, between warranty companies and big mega carriers. The dealerships are fucking swimming in cash as it is, especially for what they charge in labor. You know, everybody's making money off of trucks, except the people who fucking drive the goddamn trucks. But anyways, look, it's an experience. We're into it. This is, you know, there's valley, there's mountains and valleys and all this. But I'll tell you what, at the end of this, I know about the mountain that is going to be coming and it's going to be bigger than fucking Mount Everest. And I've taken everybody with me. So you don't have to worry about that. You stick with me. We're going to win because when you win, I win. And when I win, I'm going to make damn sure everybody else wins and we're going to get there. So all in all, it ended up great. Um, finished, got the part replaced. Still going to be able to make the delivery on time. This place has an open delivery between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. I'm here back home in Austin now, and I'll deliver it the next morning. So, hey, all all's well that ends well on that front. Speaking of all is well that ends well, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Before I let you guys go, I want to make a few comments regarding the Texas gubernatorial race, which is heating up between current Governor Greg Abbott and his opponent, Mr. Beto O'Rourke. I'm going to say some things you might not agree with or you might not think is right, but I could give a fuck less at this point because all I'm doing is commenting on exactly what I'm seeing as it is presented to me. So on the one end, you have our current governor, Greg Abbott, who I give a lot of fucking credit to because the state of Texas has seen unprecedented growth under his watch. More small businesses have opened in Texas recently than in any other state in the country, mine included. 
businesses are flocking here from New York and California. So he is leading from a very good position on the economic front. What I don't like is where he is leading on other fronts. He leads from a position of fear. He likes to play into the culture wars going on that are very, very heavily polarizing in this country. And they draw lines in the sand. Look, when you become governor of a state, or if you are a governor, you are no longer a Republican. You are no longer a Democrat. You are the leader of Texas. You are the governor of Texas. You work for the people of Texas, not who you like, not who you agree with. That's the whole fucking point of being governor is that it's it takes the highest level of maturity for that position, because guess what you got to do is help people you might not necessarily see eye to eye with. That's your job. You ran for it. You campaigned for it. You signed up for it. End of story. So when you play into these culture wars and you start boxing people out, it's bullshit. And I don't fucking like it. And on the and then with how he deals with the border, he keeps calling it a border crisis, Biden border crisis. He keeps saying it's an invasion that is leading from a position of fear. And that it, to me, you could read any book you can. I'm reading a biography about Napoleon now. I, I don't I don't need to go down the list of how many books I've read about fucking leaders, guys like Alexander the Great, Caesar, all them fucking badass motherfuckers. They don't lead from positions of fear. They lead from positions of maturity to that fucking next level, that higher road. That's what you got to do, which leads me into talking about his opponent. Now, look, I've known who Beto O'Rourke is for many years from when he ran for Senate against Ted Cruz and his kind of half-assed run for um, president a couple of years back. And look, as far as I know, he seems like a he's a very politician. -y. He's got a lot of charisma. Guy knows how to talk. I give him a, I give him a lot of credit on that end. I mean, I don't know a lot of his track record in politics. I, I haven't looked that much into it. He seems to say he's done a lot for veterans. I'm not really sure. I know a lot of people tell me he's just a flat out liar. I can't tell you that because I've never seen him in any I've never seen him in any leadership positions. When he was doing whatever it is in government, I was in Connecticut or the Marines, whatever he was doing. So I can't see much of him. I could see about Governor Abbott because he's currently governor. But here's what I've been taking away from Mr. O'Rourke. And whether he's lying or not or full of shit or whatever, he's been going on tour throughout Texas, giving town halls and all this stuff. He's been listening. Here's what he's that's what he's been doing. He he's been communicating from a perspective of exactly what I said. He's trying to communicate from the perspective of being the governor of Texas. And that means working with all Texans. This guy is having conversations with people wearing Trump gear. This guy is having conversations with Reagan Republicans. These are people who a lot of progressives and people on the left are, are ignoring themselves. They are polarizing the Trump crowd, calling them fascists, don't want to listen to them, dumb, deplorable, everything. The wrong way to try to to try to make any sort of progress in this country. If you're somebody who's a progressive and you want your policies implemented or, or you want your guys to get elected, a great way for that to happen is for when your side wins, kind of like what we have now, where Democrats run the House, the Senate, and the presidency, get the stuff done and have it work for the people who are voting against you. So once once you they can see that your idea works, then people start coming over to it. So when the left polarizes the, the MAGA crowd and the Trump people, you're ending up with the same result and bad leadership that people like Governor Abbott are doing when he plays into the culture wars and shit. It doesn't fucking work. But you have Beto O'Rourke. He's the only motherfucker in the country who's going around having conversations with people in MAGA hats and Trump gear and talking to 
old ass Texan dudes who said that they voted for Reagan and George Bush, you know, like old school Texans. He's talking to them. He's just talking whether they vote for him or not. He didn't give a shit. He's talking to him and he's putting it all over social media. Hey, I'm talking to everybody that like it could be bullshit. He could be like, like I said, I'm not telling you my stance or my opinions. I don't know if he's full of shit or not. I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm not fucking God. I'm not a super wizard. I'm not Nostradamus. But from what I'm seeing, he's showing a level of maturity and it's a and goddamn how he's speaking to people and listening is fucking sobering in this world. Like it is a sobering thing to finally see somebody say hey let's fucking find the middle ground here let's figure it the fuck out it's not working here it's not working there shit's not working let's figure it the fuck out but that's it i'm gonna leave it at that guys that's just my thoughts on those things i i think you know cooler heads need to prevail for shit to get better and uh hey i'm, I'm still when it comes to the governor race like i said I, i'm not too i'm actually not too invested into it my focus now is fucking Chip Roy and at the local level. That's that's where you get the work done personally, is at that low is at that local level in your district, your town. I think that's where you can really make the noise and where shit can start mattering. Because you know, um, Andy Frisella says his personal excellence is the best rebellion. When you start working on yourself, good things start happening around you. Then you can work. You know, if you can make your neighborhood great, that means your neighborhood will make your county great. If your county's great, it's a, it's got to work from the bottom up. And that's all I'm trying to do. But I'll leave you guys at that. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, have your notifications on. Like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Also, get up on YouTube because this, the next podcast episode will also be on YouTube and available on audio. So in case you listen to me while you drive, it will be there. Like I said, inside baseball regarding oil and gas industry, it is a hot item. You're going to want to know exactly what we're talking about. And as always, wherever you are out there, if you ever need to talk, I'll be here.